0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Boston Celtics drop a tough one to the Miami Heat. And I don't know, something feels a little bit off right now. Can't put my finger on it, but I'm going to talk about it here on this Wednesday Locked On Celtics. Here
1: Let's go. Rainier J's back with the vengeance. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars
0: Don Corral is here, MassLive.com, Boston Celtics beat reporter, welcoming you back to a Wednesday Locked On Celtics podcast. Here for you Monday through Friday. So if you're a new listener, this is a Monday through Friday daily podcast. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, however you found us. You can follow us on Spotify as well. Also, check out Locked On NBA. I do the Wednesday Locked On NBA show, so... Double podcast duty for me on Locked on NBA. I'm co-hosting that with Jake Madison. We talk about the Memphis Grizzlies and their loss of Jaron Jackson Jr., how that impacts the West, their, that eighth seed race. And, of course, the Celtics pick. That's a, a, an important discussion, and it looks like the Grizzlies are in free fall. That could significantly significantly improve Boston's pick, and who knows? Who knows what that becomes? So I talk about that unlocked on, on NBA with Jake Madison. Be sure to subscribe to that. The Boston Celtics lost to the Miami Heat 112-106. They, the flow of this game, the, the Celtics really didn't look great through most of this game. They started out okay. They missed a few shots. Uh, Miami made a few shots. And I think that started them down a path of feeling bad about themselves, frustrated about themselves. And we've seen it happen before with the Celtics earlier in the season where the the missed shots lead to kind of lapses in defense. And in the second quarter, those lapses really took hold. And the Celtics did make a run in the third quarter and, again, late in the fourth quarter. But it just aside from a couple of spots – it really felt like Miami dictated the pace of this whole thing. Uh, there were They were in control for, I would say, like 80% of this game. They, they had the Celtics kind of chasing them on defense. They had the Celtics kind of sped up, I felt like, on offense. And it's a tough loss because it could impact the standings. It could impact the seating. And I'll talk about that in a second. First, let's go through the box score. The Celtics were led by Jason Tatum, 23 points. On uh, 6 of 11 shooting, 7 rebounds, and assist, 4 turnovers, a steal, and a block. He had 5 fouls. He was in foul trouble late in the third quarter. That was not ideal because Marcus Smart fouled out in the third quarter after picking up his fourth foul in the first half in the Celtics. And this is one of the negatives uh, that I'm going to talk about in a second. Marcus Smart this might have been his worst game as a Celtic or at least worst game since we expect him to do good things as a Celtic. He only played 16 minutes. Jalen Brown, 18 points on 9 of 23 shooting. The 9 of 23 I think is a little bit deceptive because some of it came at the end when shots were being forced. I thought Jalen Brown was actually the best player for a long stretch of of this game for the Celtics and Gordon Hayward was was really good too. He didn't hit a 3, he was 0 of 5 from 3 which not great but 15 points, 17, I'm sorry, 7 rebounds, not 17, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. He had a couple of stretches where he looked really good. He He's really, I think, being more aggressive, and I'll talk about that in a second as well. Other notables, uh, 15 for Kemba Walker in 27 minutes on 4 of 9 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. He added 4 assists. Uh, Ennis Cantor, 10 points, 5 rebounds, all offensive. All of those were putbacks. We got uh, 11 points, 5 rebounds from Daniel Tice. And who else worth a mention in the scoreboard? Nothing. We'll leave that alone. For Miami, Bam Adebayo was the guy that really hurt inside. He really put a lot of pressure because he drew 18 free-throw attempts, 21 points on 11 of 18 from the line, 5 of 12 overall. Goran Dragic, 20 points off the bench. Uh, Duncan Robinson was a killer 21 points five of 11 from three the three-point shooting really just killed the Celtics um, Tyler hero three of seven from three so okay the format of the post game show positives in the first segment after we go through the box score negatives in the second segment third segment is gonna be kind of what I think the story of the day is that is my feeling I wrote a column about this on mass live something's a little bit off feel a little bit off about Something I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but something feels a little bit off. The negatives in the second segment, like I said, the positives, I want to start with something positive because, especially after a loss, you need something to feel good about. My first positive, Kemba Walker, playing those extra minutes, playing down the stretch. Brad Stevens said after the game that part of the reason why he played Kemba down the stretch was because he kind of had no choice. Marcus Smart was fouled out, and because he had fouled out, uh, they needed to go somewhere down the stretch, so he kind of rearranged Kemba's minutes and tried to get him some fourth-quarter touches. Not bad. I, I thought Kemba kind of looked pretty good for the most part. He didn't hit um, he didn't hit a ton of shots, four of nine. He probably needs more than nine shots. Uh, you want to put that in the negative column for sure. But I think Kemba, slowly he's going to get to the point where he's playing his normal allotment of minutes. And I just don't think he likes the minutes restriction. I think it's messing with him. And I think it's messing with the overall Celtics chemistry because they know he's going to get out of the game at a point where he might not normally. So I think it is messing with him. It's messing with the team. Uh, It is messing with the chemistry there a little bit. So that's something when we were looking at everything that that is definitely a factor, but positive. He feels good. He's not going to play in the Brooklyn game, but he will play Friday and he will play increased minutes. 27 was his limit in this game. He played 26-39. He's probably going to bump that up for another three like they've been doing. So I'm going to assume that 30 minutes is going to be his max on Friday. That's pretty good. That's almost normal regular season minutes. So slowly, Brad Stevens said, they're following the plan. Kemba's reacting well. He'll be ready to go full bore by the playoffs. That's, that's it, definitive, done. So we should just be happy about that. Jalen Brown, my other positive, his aggression, he he took a few quick shots. So early on, the negative of his game was I think he was rushing. I think he was feeling himself from two days ago against Portland that he he would come down. He would hit those quick threes. He was in rhythm in that game. He was hot in that game. He was feeling good in that game. I felt like he thought he could carry that over, and he took some, some quick shots and after missing his first three three-pointers, he kind of was like, all right, that's, that's not working for me. And then he put his head down and drove, and that was really much more of what he needed to do. And, you know, I don't blame a guy for feeling himself after that, that type of performance that he had the other day, but it's good that he at least said, ah, okay, not working, let's move to a different plan of attack And that aggression that he had really carried the Celtics for for some stretches. He was really, you know, in the first quarter, in the third quarter, he was really going pretty good. Uh, And I I liked the fact that he would do that and attack, especially in transition, especially in cross matches. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Gordon Hayward is a positive. He, I, I think, aside from missing the threes, which he's struggled a bit right now from deep, but... I liked his aggression as well, his attacking of the rim, and he looks like a guy who is, is past some of, even some of the, the trepidation of getting into the lane. I don't feel like he's afraid of jumping in the lane anymore. Like He really sent himself up towards the rim a few different times, and I, just, I feel like he's kind of past a lot of that stuff that might uh, he might have still been thinking about. I just don't think that's in his mind right now. It doesn't look like it's in his mind right now. Of course, I'm not in his mind, so I don't know for sure. But if it is, he's not. It, it, it's not holding him back. And so he looked pretty good, flying in for a dunk. Daniel Tice got, got him a couple of seals, like he did for Tatum normally. He got a couple for for Hayward, and that sprung him for a couple of easy looks, including one nice dunk. Uh, I, I thought I thought Hayward. I think Hayward is generally what we want Gordon Hayward to be. Uh, mix in a few of those three-point makes, and he's exactly where you want him to be. So Gordon Hayward, I think, is having a pretty decent bubble. Obviously not perfect. No one has been perfect. I don't think we're close to perfect. But I thought I think Gordon Hayward's been, been decent. Jason Tatum's line looks great. If you didn't watch the game, you look at this and you say, wow, 23 points, 6 of 11 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 9 of 9 from the line, 7 rebounds and assists. Okay, 4 turnovers, but uh, the 5 fouls seemed like to be an issue. He was a plus 1 on a night where everything seemed to be going wrong. But I feel like his numbers are a little deceptive. I don't think there was any one particular stretch aside from 55 seconds at the end of the first quarter where he – where he scored eight points, uh, I don't feel like he was ag- aggressive enough to to take over, or or maybe he didn't take over the way I thought he could or should. Uh, he got frustrated by a few things. That's obviously a negative. So I'm going to save that for the negatives. I'm going to say right now the positives are at least the shooting woes seem to be okay. Two of five from three, 40%, I'm going to take it. Six of 11, I'm going to take it. He should take more than 11 shots. That's a problem. And really, that that's the big problem. Uh, the shot distribution, Jalen Brown taking 23 shots, is probably not where you want to be in shot distribution. And that's probably, you know, when you look at his nine of 23 you, you'd rather have a few of those early – look, the early forced shots are part of a, a negative for Jalen Brown. Later forced shots when he was maybe trying a little too hard and, and everybody was scrambling, a little more excusable, but uh, the shot distribution needs to be a little bit better. Uh, we can't have any one guy with 23 shots and Jason Tatum with 11. That's, that's, he needs more than 11 shots. And so we'll leave it at that. When we come back, negatives, which include Tatum, include Marcus Smart having maybe one of the worst games of his life, Grant Williams, that's all coming up. Now, of course, we're all happy that sports are back, even with the negatives. We've been waiting for this since March. Now that they're here, I've only got one thing on my mind, and that's my bookie my bookie call it what you want man a home run slam dunk triple OT game winner Kemba Walker's half court shot to close the first half all wrapped into one I love it you love it and that should be all you need to know in order to start betting today my bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams Major League Baseball NBA all of it and with my bookie it's easy you bet you win they pay feel good about your team's chances this year Check out MyBookie's futures bets. Nothing shows that you believe in your squad like betting on them right now. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are looking towards the future. And in this case, it means the NBA, hockey, football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and you will win automatically because MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Promo code LOCKEDONNBA when you sign up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet,
1: you win, they pay. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed
0: to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. So the negatives in this, uh, I think most of them are obvious. Uh, Marcus Smart probably had one of the worst games uh, as a Celtic, especially since we've expected him to, to play well and impact winning as often as he does and has. But in this one, he really struggled. He was reaching. Uh, he, he just didn't look like he He wasn't in his normal Marcus Smart kind of headspace, it seemed like. And that resulted in him drawing four personal fouls in the first half. And even maybe if some of them were, were somewhat questionable, it was part of Miami's aggression. And Marcus, I just don't think he was in that same... He just wasn't there. He, he was, like I said, reaching... And most of this happened when the Celtics whipped off that best five lineup, the Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Gordon, Marcus lineup, which we've been waiting to see. And I was having a brief like slack conversation with Tom Westerholm about this. And basically he said, I feel like this should be the Celtics version of the, the death lineup, the lineup of death for the golden state warriors and I think why this isn't right now, and it hasn't been, is because we're asking Marcus Smart to be the Draymond Green of that lineup. And while Marcus Smart is, is at least, depending on how, how people feel, I know all of you Celtics fans are going to say, well, he's obviously a better defender than Draymond Green. Um, Draymond is asked and is able to direct the defense from behind the defense he can call things out. So in a lot of ways, Draymond is more valuable in the fact that when you're behind the defense, you're calling it out as a center. So you're able to direct guys. Marcus Smart is trying to direct guys from the top of the key. That's hard to do because as the as the ball handler is coming down and you're focused and you're trying to say, hey, watch this over here, watch this over here, you're pointing – you're only seeing one guy. Draymond gets to see four other guys on the other team, or at least three. He gets to call out, hey, you know, Clay, here this is happening. Hey, Steph, this is happening. That lineup with Draymond has Draymond in a position that Marcus Smart simply can't be in. He can't defend like Draymond defends because Draymond is Calling out plays, Marcus Smart defends much better than Draymond does on ball. Marcus Smart makes much crazier defensive plays and is a better individual defender than Draymond Green. But Draymond has the luxury of playing on on the back line and and quarterbacking, much like Kevin Garnett did. Like that's when that's why the best defensive players are almost always considered to be centers. Partly because not just they block shots, not because they rebound, but the best of the best play on good defenses that they can call out and quarterback that defense. So that's one big, I think, difference between what the Celtics are trying to accomplish with their best five and what Golden State, what they're trying to replicate a little bit. The Celtics don't have a true big that's back there that does that. And even if Marcus Smart is defending the big – I, I just, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Um, and if you have Jason Tatum guarding their big or Jalen Brown guarding their big, that's not a role that they're used to. That's, it's just, it's hard to replicate that. So I, th- I think that while we have Marcus Smart guarding the other teams' bigs, that causes a little bit of a problem and why the Celtics aren't able to replicate. And also, sometimes, look, Marcus Smart can guard just about anybody. But sometimes, a guy like Bam Adebayo, who is quick and strong and and can do multiple things and knows how to use his body and knows how to get deep position, that really is hard for Marcus. Now, Marcus can go out there and guard your Perzingis, even though Porzingis is, like, you know, three feet taller than him, because Porzingis isn't going to be very laterally quick. Marcus can go out there and guard these big lumbering guys because they're not going to be laterally quick. Bam Adebayo is laterally quick, and that presents, like, a guard-ish type problem in a big guy. And when Bam can use that lateral quickness to knife his way into deeper position. It doesn't matter that Marcus Smart is Marcus Smart. If you get the ball way down low and you are are basically putting Smart in a position where he has no choice but to slap at the ball because he can't go up and block the shot from underneath the rim, you're not giving Marcus Smart enough launching pad to really use what he has. What's Marcus Smart's strength on the post? His low center of gravity. Well, if you've got a low center of gravity against a big lumbering guy, sure you can hold your ground. But you got that low center center of gravity against Bam Adebayo. He's still going to kind of try to get by you. He can still kind of move side to side and kind of put you in a tough spot. And you have to you have to seed ground in that post. It's a tough it's a tough spot for Marcus, and it sucks that, you know that I I don't know that that's going to be the right option. And that brings me to Grant Williams because Grant Williams should be one of the right options in this, and he just has not played well. I think the layoff killed the momentum of his growth, and he has to find a way to get that back. He really has not looked good in the restart. And if he doesn't look good in the restart and they can't play Robert Williams, then that leaves us Ennis Cantor. Now, Ennis Cantor was nice with five putbacks, five offensive rebounds, ten points off of those five offensive rebounds. But at the same time, even though he may not have been like clogging the lanes in a lot of these, defensively he's an issue. And in a lot of times, watch the Celtics defense and the defenders around Cantor have to like overhelp. Like Cantor on the defensive end. Pulls his own teammates out of position sometimes because they feel like, well, Ennis is here. I've got to cover for him, which means you've got to take a step or two more than you want to take to help that guy, which means you're a step or two further out of position, which means you've got to rush out to the guy who just got the ball because you helping that far meant that guy was open. Now you've got to rush further out, which means you've got to be a little less under control in your closeout, which means that guy can get by you. Now you're in rotation. Now another guy has to step up and stop your guy, and you have to rotate over to pick up that guy, but that guy's now relocated. It, it, the cascading effect of Ennis Cantor on the floor defensively goes beyond, hey, he switched on to Goran Dragic, and Dragic scored. Like, maybe Ennis Cantor can go out there and switch onto Goran Drajic and play surprisingly good. But very often, defensively, even if he's not doing the obvious, oh no, a guard just toasted Ennis Cantor on a pick and roll, Ennis, while trying to defend these other guys, is forcing Celtics teammates to cover for him. And that covering for Ennis, whenever it's happening, just makes the Celtics more susceptible. And in these situations where against a team that moves as quickly as Miami, it really would be great to have Robert Williams. It would really be great to have Grant Williams. It'd really be great if Shemi Ojalay could play that small ball five. But Shemi's more of a wing. Like That's, that's just too much. He's not going to be able to do that. He's a wing three and D guy, so Grant Williams not being able to play, not being able to play effectively right now is a problem. Can he get there in two weeks? Maybe, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is this is something that concerns me with with the Celtics in their in their backup bigs. I I was hoping that. Grant could step in and I thought Grant would step in. And and look, maybe maybe part of it is is just a rotation is is off and he's being asked to play um in in a situation that maybe maybe when the playoffs come around if he's on the floor, he's he's playing more with guys that are like starters. Like he's playing more with starters. That's possible. But Right now, Grant Williams has not shown me anything in the bubble that makes me think, oh yeah, he's we can count on him to back up Daniel Tice. So Daniel Tice is gonna end up having to play like 38 minutes, which is gonna be tough for Tice. The only other negative thing is what I was saying about Jason Tatum. With Jason Tatum, and in this you might think it's a little unfair, but if Jason Tatum's going to be considered a superstar, if he's going to get to that superstar level, he's got to take over down the stretch of these games. When the Celtics needed him to hit a bucket down the stretch, I think they he could have done more. The superstar would do more. I'm not saying he can't get there. I'm just saying that that's not him yet and not him as consistently. Now, of course... That may change in two weeks. Okay? That might change after the bubble you, you get more used to things and he's like prepared. He's more he's more ready. Uh, maybe it's unfair to say that of him three games into the bubble when we have a month and a half of him cooking like he did and, and actually showing some of that. He needs to do that consistently. If he's gonna be what people think he can be a top-five player in this league, if he can achieve top-five player in this league, well, top-five player in this league takes over this game down the stretch and makes it so the Celtics don't lose. And that's that's where he needs to be. He's in his third year. I'm not going to hold it against him. I'm just saying that that's where he needs to be. That's a goal. If he's going to be that guy, when we came into this talking about, hey, Jason Tatum can be the best player in the series, that's what the best player in the series does. He takes over games... Where it looks like the team has been struggling, and ah, oh, they fought and they get it close, then all of a sudden it's, boom, Jason Tatum imposing his will. So it's it's a goal. It's a goal. When I come back, I'll talk about why I think something's off with the Boston Celtics. I wrote a column about it on Mass Live. I'll talk a little bit a little bit more about it right here. You're up-to-date on your favorite team, but what about the competition?
1: Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily.
0: Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen. The Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the
1: planet, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. So here the Celtics sit a game and a half ahead of. The Miami Heat after this. Um, Still feel like the Celtics are going to get the third seed. I feel like the Celtics are comfortable. It may not matter. Maybe they want the fourth seed, for all I know, to play the Pacers. At some point, TJ Warren's got to cool off, right? He's not going to shoot like 60% from the field throughout this whole bubble, right? Right? Well, we'll see. In the meantime, I'm wondering what's up with these guys. And and maybe it's maybe it's a little soon for me to be wondering that I, I don't know um, I feel like something's off and it could be the layoff it could be this fact that they're preparing for August seventeenth versus anything like worrying about the results of w- what's going on in, in this in this bubble in this in the seeding games so I'm not concerned when I say the Celtics aren't themselves. I'm not sitting here going like, oh my God, they're not going to do whatever. Like I'm, I'm saying that right now, they just don't seem like themselves. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it is when Jason Tatum was asked about coming out stronger and because the Celtics came out kind of weak in both this game, the Bucks game, he said it's a preparation thing. Uh, which... That raise an eyebrow. Like, What what do you mean it's a preparation thing? You better figure out your preparation because this whole thing is a preparation thing. Um, And maybe it's because their preparation has been thrown off. Maybe it is because they're not in any sort of routine. And I tried asking these guys about their routine, and I'll be honest with you, no one's giving any real good answers about anything that is a departure from the norm. Right now, you can ask in any sort of way. Basically, what you're going to get is, it's like this for everybody. We're not going to complain, and they move on. But I don't. It's not a complaint. I, I'm asking about. Okay, so if this is a preparation thing, what's different about the preparation? Why is it a preparation thing? Is it because one day your game is at one thirty, and then one day your game is at nine? And these, you know, you're practicing in different places. It's, it is like a big road trip. And and there are legitimate things that are problematic and everyone knows that it's like this for everybody, but you can tell us, Hey, here are all the things when we ask, like, yes, this is like this for everybody, but it's tough to have practice at four different gyms and have it at one day it's in the morning, one day it's at night. Uh, you can say that. And you can say, well, everybody's going through it, but you can also say, "It's, but it's also tough to go through it. That's fine. Because players are creatures of habit. Routine is very important to pro athletes. You wake up at the same time every morning. A lot of times you eat the same things every day. You go to practice every day at the same time. When you're home, You've got a very strict schedule. Practice is almost always at the same time. It almost always goes the, re- the certain amount of time. You lift. You know what time it is that you lift. When you get to the arena on a game day, you know what time it is to go out and shoot. You have your locker. You take your showers at a certain time, the same time every day. It's very, very regimented. And that routine is comforting because you know, I go here, I go here, I go here, and that's it. In this bubble, if you don't have that and that's causing problems, that's fine to admit that if that's part of the problem. The Celtics are not themselves. And at some point, they're going to have to figure it out. They've only got two weeks to figure out how to get to be themselves. And so, yeah, something to me tells me that they're off because the it's not just the slow starts. They've had slow starts. They also have like these moments where... One little thing derails them. The Celtics were down three in the third quarter, something like five minutes to go. Gordon Hayward drives is... Okay, so he did kind of jump left into Kelly Olynyk. He did. He was looking to draw the foul. Kelly sold the foul. Hey, you know, look. With all the fouls that Marcus Smart has sold, you can't get mad that Kelly sold the foul. So he sold it. They called it. Okay. So instead of an and one to tie the game, it becomes an offensive foul. Gordon Hayward loses his mind, gets a technical foul. Then Miami goes on a run, and before you know it, it's a 11, 11-point 11 game again. And the Celtics have been just too susceptible to one little thing going wrong and then the whole thing falling apart. And so, when I say they're not themselves, they need to be back to get to the next play. Make the next right play. Like, that stuff that Brad Stevens says, they need to get back to that. You know, Brad Stevens said after the game that they started defending really well for the first three minutes, and then they missed a few shots, and then the whole thing went downhill. And that that's not something that can happen. Not certainly not something that can happen in the playoffs. The, the, the level of focus that they need to be at in the playoffs cannot allow for two or three missed shots to derail you because 20-point lead in the playoffs means a lot more than 20-point lead in the, in the uh, regular season. And the Celtics, if they face Philly, if they face Indy, if they face Miami – They're they're not going to get away with these lapses. They're just not. Now, again, this isn't me saying, like, there's a huge level of concern. I'm just saying they're not themselves right now. And they now, they have to know this is where we need to be and we're not there. Brad Stevens admitted we're not there after the game. And they have a lot of work to do. Um they do have a lot of work to do it'd be nice to see them play a complete game now brooklyn i don't know how that's going to go kemba's not playing so that that's going to be a, an interesting issue i don't know how that team's going to look in a back-to-back we just don't know that team is weird the friday game the toronto game that it, it doesn't mean anything anymore because toronto's basically out of reach that there's no there's no real chance anymore of the celtics catching the Toronto Raptors. I mean, they have a four and a half game lead with five games to go. That's the insurmountable lead that I I said that that's impossible. It's not just not possible. Forget it. It's over. So it's either third or the fourth seed still likely to be the third, but you still want to send Toronto a message, right? You still want to go out there and beat Toronto because they're ahead of you and the Celtics are going to face them theoretically in the playoffs. You want to go out there and play hard. You want to beat their asses. And they got to go out there and, and match what Toronto is bringing in that game. So if they, if they don't respond, like the, one of the things that they've been able to do all season long is generally respond when they play a good team. Even if they lost to the Clippers, they played them really hard. They played those good teams really, really hard, and they were good games. The Celtics need to pull that off on Friday because there's only a few games left after that. So we kind of need to see that all-around effort. doesn't have to be perfect. I understand they're going to blow coverages. I understand that they're going to miss shots. I don't care about the blown coverages necessarily. They'll figure that out. I don't care about the missed shots. They'll figure that out. It's the effort. It's the attitude. It's that preparation. That's the stuff that's not there right now, and that's where they need to be. I'll leave it at that. Back for another post-game show after a late game against the Brooklyn Nets. 9 p.m. start, so that's going to be a late night for everybody. We'll be back here. I'll be back here after that for a post-game podcast So subscribe if you have not subscribed. If you are a new listener and you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe. You'll get more of this and hopefully better. Always looking to improve. At some point, I'll bring some more guests on. So still ramping up over here on the podcast as well. So please subscribe to get it directly to your device. You can also follow on Spotify. You can also ask your smart device to play the latest episode of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Obviously, all of you regular subscribers, I would love to get a a five-star rating, a good written review. And like I said, subscribe to Lockdown NBA. Check that out. I co-host the Wednesday show with Jake Madison of Lockdown Pelicans. That's out as well. So check that out as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. You're on the Lockdown Podcast Network.